We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome to the True Faith Podcast. My name's Alex Hurst and I'm joined today by Wallace Wilson, longtime writer for True Faith. And we're going to talk to you about Newcastle United against Huddersfield Town, which is this Sunday. Uh, massive game for many reasons, probably for both clubs, uh, although Crystal Palace's uh, win at the weekend means it's probably a bigger game for us. First of all, I have to start the show by plugging the new issue, brand new issue of True Faith out now. Um, you can get it at the True Faith website, truefaith, or true-faith.co.uk, and um, you'll also find it at the various social media channels that we have, including this one, at TFNUFC Fanzine, uh, and at TFNUFC podcasts uh with that out of the way um i'm delighted to introduce wallace wallace welcome to the show um yeah obviously some listeners will have heard you speak very well on the atmosphere podcast that we did if you haven't listened to atmosphere or rescue the two documentary podcasts that we did please do thousands have um uh, so wallace uh why don't we start off with your take on the game on sunday i don't know whether you caught it on tv or, or at the game, um, but uh, you know, there's kind of two two thoughts of two schools of thought. One that Newcastle played very well and were undone by the idiocy of one player, and some people um, kind of think that we didn't provide enough of a, an attacking threat. Which kind of side do you stand on? Well, somewhere between the two, to be honest. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought um, it was a very well set up team on uh, on Sunday I thought Rafa really had obviously done his own work as he always does and he'd made it very very difficult for uh, for Spurs to, to bring it to uh, break us down and obviously the game plan was and I suspect it will be a lot this season was to um, to defend uh, very well to, to, to look to, to catch teams on the break uh, with the pace that we, we've got up front unfortunately of course that plan um, goes out the window when you, you go a goal down for a start, but going a goal down and losing a player is uh, a slow whammy sort of thing. So I thought actually we looked pretty comfortable until uh, until Shelby got sent off. But after that we were just we were chasing chasing the game too much and I mean Spurs are a very good side, let's not forget that. You know, I mean they, they finished second last season for a reason. That they're, they're very, very good. Um, and they exploited the space that, that Shelby's uh, um, dismissal created for them. Um, I would hope that um, that would be a lesson learned both for uh, both for Shelby, um, but also for uh, for the way that the team the team works. Because I suspect it'll not be the first, not be the last time we get somebody sent off this season. I yeah, I mean it's 
it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I kind of characterised Newcastle under Rafa when he took over in the Premier League. When he in that brief period, those ten games he had, the disciplinary issues were had before that under McLaren kind of improved immediately. And that was one of the signs of improvement that we weren't giving away silly yellow cards or silly red cards. Yeah. And then actually when I think back to last season, we did pick up a few a few reds and it's maybe something that I don't know. It's maybe something that might cost John Joe long term, but um, I suppose we'll find out because it just it's we'll we'll not survive this season if we're if we're consistently playing with ten men um against better teams. I mean Rafa can only do so much. It's down to the players at the end of the day. Uh, to, to control themselves. So moving on to the weekend, Wallace, you write for the special, which, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to the special, please do. I'll put a link in the description of this. It's a free match day newsletter. Uh, myself, Wallace, and other writers basically preview the game. Um, so you get absolutely loads of true faith. You get these podcasts, you get the special. Simon Campbell's match preview will be online now, so please have a look at that on the True Faith website. Sai will be back with us um, on Sunday. On Sunday, there's me, Sai, Mickey and Bolland all going down to Huddersfield. So we'll do a, a match day podcast, 10, 15 minutes for you as well. Um, but yeah, since Wallace, you do the um, the SWAT analysis of our opponents. I don't know how much you saw Palace at the weekend against, uh, sorry, I don't know how much you saw Huddersfield against Palace. Are you expecting more of the same from Huddersfield uh, from what we saw last season in the two games or something different? Um, well, I mean, they've, they've actually changed quite a lot of the team. Um, and they've actually got a a big lad up front who scored a couple of goals on uh, on, on Saturday, uh, who looks a real handful. Um, so I think that that's gonna that's gonna change the way that they play a wee bit. Um, they've got they've managed to keep a hold of people like uh, Aaron Moy, who's a, who I thought was a very good midfielder last season. Um, they've still got players like Kachunga and Tommy Smith playing at right back, so they're they're a, they're a good side. Um, but um, I I think if we can do a similar type of job to the one that we did on them last season at the John Smith Arena, I think we'll get a, we'll get a good result. I, th- I think, um, you know, they're, they're good when they're, when they're allowed to play the, the way that they want to play, but I think if we set ourselves up uh, in, the, in the right way, and particularly if we, we stop the crosses getting into this, uh, this big centre-forward money year, um, then I think, to a large extent, that will you know, negate their, their game plan. Um, but a, a great deal will depend again on you know the same levels of concentration that we saw in the first half um, against Spurs, um, the same level of work rate. Because one thing we do know about Huddersfield is that they work bloody hard. Um, so you've got to match that to start with, and then hope that you know whatever quality we've got, which I think is is better than they've got, um, comes out on top. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how. How do you think we would react to to there, whether the, whether they play the same or differently from the last time we played them? Do you think it'll be a case again of seeding possession? Like I think Huddersfield enjoyed seventy four percent possession or something like that when we beat them three one last time. Or do you think that I don't know because that, I mean last time a draw was perceived to be a positive result, um, particularly after the win at Brighton, which came several days earlier. Do you think uh, we'd be looking for more of a win this time, considering what we did win there last time? Or do you think, you know what, a draw away from home, good result? I think a draw away from home is pretty much always a good result, to be honest. Um, I think the, the issue that we've got is that uh, I think Huddersfield will be flying in the, for the first 15, 20 minutes because they'll be really buoyed up by, by that 
you know, excellent result, which it was at Palace. I think, I think it was a very good time to play them. Um, you know, I think um, I think De Boer is still trying to uh, settle his team into the way he he wants them to play, which is very different to the way that they've played over the last few seasons with people like Allardyce and Pardew. Um, so, you know, I think there's a, there's a number of players who are who are struggling to to adapt to that, and obviously when they're put under pressure by Huddersfield, they're cracked. Um, that won't be the case with us. You know, our players are familiar with the way they're supposed to be playing. One thing about Rafa is you can be sure that every single player on the park will know his job um, and know exactly where he's supposed to be at any particular given time and circumstance. So I think it won't be anywhere near as easy for Huddersfield as it was last week. Um, that being said, I think um, they will offer more of a threat than they did last season. Um, I think the centre forward they've got is a, is a definite step up in class to uh, the players that they, they had on the pitch last season. And um, he offers much more of a threat in the air than uh, the players they had last season. So um, the issue for us, I think, will be about making sure that we ace up the crosses getting into this lad, but also. Um, if the crosses do come in, we've got to make sure we've got people challenging, people like uh, Lascelles challenging them in the air and making sure you can get a clean header. Absolutely, and um, I mean you've you've touched on the, the the team selection there. How do you see it going for uh, defensively anyway? Do you think it might be Clark shifted to left back and Lascelles coming in, or do you think Gammers or even Mankio might get the run at left back with um, Yedlin back in training today? Rafa throwing Yedlin back in after a after a hamstring. Um, I think we'll probably end up with you know Clark playing left back, and he will be a loss in the middle. Uh, but I think he'll end up playing left left back, and I think he'll probably go with uh, with Lascelles, um, probably playing alongside Mbemba, I would imagine, um, and Mankio um, staying on the right hand side. Yeah, um, I think I think you made a good point about the the centre forward in uh, Munier and that. That's kind of something last season that when we played Huddersfield, I felt that and it was it's kind of that thing you do on social media when you speak to disgruntled opposition fans. I felt I never really felt under pressure. I mean, that was helped by a, a two goal lead for Newcastle for a lot of the game, but I just felt that Huddersfield, you know, they were kind of the, an immature team or a championship side because they'd have a lot of possession and I kind of. The opposite to Newcastle, I suppose, when we were in similar positions, they were unable to 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 wait out teams. You know, they'd have the ball in and around the eighteen yard box for two or three phases, 10, 10 or fifteen passes, and then it would just be right cross it in, even though there was nothing on, even though there was no one really in the box to aim for. So if they haven't matured as a team, and I'm not saying that maybe they have, but even if they haven't, now when they're crossing the ball into the box, there's going to be someone there who's capable of getting on the end of it. I thought Naki Wells last season, although he's a decent enough player. Um, wasn't a particular threat to, to our back four and dealt them quite easily. So I think maybe seeding possession as much as we did last season might not be as, um, oh, what's the right word, effective. Uh, the one thing we did do last season at Huddersfield was we started like a house on fire. Tipped over the bar. Huddersfield were playing us in the counter-attack and as a result, when Matt Ritchie won the penalty, we, uh, we actually counter-attacked them. So... It's a, it's a real tough one because you know what some Newcastle fans are like, and I'll be there. There's two thousand four hundred a big allocation given under Premier League rules um, on Sunday, and I just get the feeling if Newcastle were to go behind, 
we might have to see something a little bit more adventurous than uh, than what we saw last season because we did we were basically gifted two goals by Huddersfield, but they were two good finishes uh, in, in that game. So it's a real tough one because we're used to seeing Newcastle play under Rafa with the ball, dominating games, dictating the flow of games. It was only really Huddersfield. That's the only game I can think of. I thought we'll control the game at Brighton. It was only really Huddersfield last season where we decided to, to kind of dig in as we did on Sunday. Um, and it's, it's a real tough one because if you go 1-0 down, that, that game plan has to change completely. So it'll yep. be interesting from that perspective. Who do you think Wallace will, will come in in midfield? Do you think it's as simple as Marino uh, fits straight in? I, I, that's what I would do. Um, and I think it's quite possibly what uh, what Rafa will do because he does like a balance, doesn't he? He does like a left footer and a right footer. And I think he, he you know, he'll have that playing in front of the defence, 4-2-3-1, uh, which is his, his, obviously his preferred uh, system. Um, I think he has a lot of trust in Marino. He's talked um, at length about his um, his match intelligence, um, and I think he'll yeah I think he'll give him a go. Um, I mean the other thing is I guess I mean you know we because of what happened on on uh, Sunday we didn't get the chance to see uh, some of our more attacking options coming on the pitch, the likes of Murphy and what have you, and it may well be that um, you know we'll provide the dog anybody sent off this week. Uh, we might actually see uh, uh, what Rafa had in mind in terms of his, his game plan for the whole 90 minutes rather than it sort of being blown out of the water after uh, just under an hour. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's what I'm certainly hoping for because I, you know, I think the way what he wants to play is to to, to hold hold the um, the line, as it were, at round about sort of the halfway line, defending reasonably deep, but then hitting teams on the break. And obviously he's got, you know, he's got... Um, Gale, he's got Richie, and he may well have Murphy. He's got Atsu. They're all blessed with pace. So I think that's I think that's pretty much the way we're going to see it on on Sunday. I think we're gonna we're gonna have a, a not a, a, a sort of a replica of what we saw on on Sunday against Spurs. Because I mean, Huddersfield obviously nowhere near as good at keeping the ball or doing stuff with the ball. But um, I think um, I think we'll see something very similar. I think people are going to have to get used to it because that's the way we're going to be playing in, in the in the Premiership. I think. Yeah, and I had that discussion with someone this week, I think, who paid £46 for the Spurs game, which is a lot of money. I mean, mm. it's corporate. Uh, that's the problem with St. James's Park for people who have to buy tickets. It's all well and good. Tickets being available for like £33, £34. Um, mm. But there's only a limited number of them. And then that Milburn stand is where I think that I actually think the, the highest price ticket for a, a, a seat on Saturday or Sunday was 62 quid. Which is extortionate because you can say, oh, it's in the Platinum Club. Yeah, but not everyone wants to sit in the Platinum Club. Maybe someone just wants a ticket and it's the only one going. But uh, yeah, so anyway, the, the, I was speaking to him and they were saying that's a lot of money just to, to watch your team defend for 90 minutes. But like you say, it's it, it just is what it is, This particularly this season. Um, and it's it might not always be all been, I mean, it's a big leap for me to say that Rafa will still be here at the end of the season and then next money will be blessed with financial might. But it's... It's kind of it is kind of just building towards that. It's just kind of get through this season. Um, I think we'll do better personally than seventeenth place, but it wouldn't be a disaster um, by any means to just kind of survive. No, I, I, I think the worry that I've got is that, that Rafa is uh, is always being pushed into uh, short termism. You know, he's having to buy players to keep us in, in that division rather than thinking about building for the future and looking at you know gradually improving the team and the squad 
I mean, it's like, you know, he's coming out and saying, you know, these were not my priority players, but we need to get players in. So, yeah. you know, we're sending the likes of, of Jocelyn, who, you know, let's see what, what the lad's like. I mean, he's, he's a big lad. He's, he's got a decent touch, I think. I mean, I've only seen him for a few minutes playing for Stoke, but he stood out as somebody who actually could work the ball pretty well. His goal-scoring record was not great, but I think he could well fit into that team quite well. And, and you know, maybe it'll mean that, that this gets his marching orders, which in my humble opinion, would not be a bad idea. Um, but um, I think, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see something I just I just hope that we're gonna we're gonna see the, the team developing rather than Rafa just thinking, Well, okay, I've got no money, I've got to make sure that, you know, we stay up, I'm gonna take short term action, I'm gonna make sure that we get everything sorted so we're still in the the top flight next season. And then of course we'll be back at the end of the end of this season coming well the season now that we're in Rafa possibly at the end of the season thinking no, I've had enough of this this is ridiculous I'm not getting any support from um, the likes of uh, Ashley etc so you know I'm, I'm, I'm away off but at least I've kept you in, in the division lads yeah. and you know who could say that it would be wrong to do that yeah and um, I, I don't know how long I have a feeling you only signed a three year contract but I might be it wrong is. So that means right. in you kind of once you get into the last eighteen months as a contract as a manager, that's when the speculation starts. So particularly if we have a bad January, I'd imagine that's the speculation will start in the media and you'll start being asked, Are you gonna sign a new contract? All this kind of stuff. Uh, which will just be another massive distraction to be honest with you. But there you go. Um yeah, I suppose the the thing about I mean for bringing it back to the Huddersfield game is you don't want to be too negative, but anything can happen. You lose two out of two, and then all of a sudden you've got Stoke at uh, West Ham. That becomes a huge game. I'm not entirely sure. I should have checked this out. I might have a look now. Who West Ham have got uh, this this weekend? At home. In fact, West West Ham have got no one at home this weekend. Absolutely crazy thing for those of you who don't know. I think West Ham's first three or four games are all away from home because of the. Athletics, or they're, they're, they're away at Southampton. They're away at so that's hardly an easy, hardly an easy game, is it? Um, is, you know, if if West Ham were to get beat in that game, then then the come to our game with with us and West Ham being potentially bottom of the league if we if we lose yeah. this weekend, and it's kind of like loser is is in a real mess. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because we could win the game handsomely this weekend. So I'm not panicking, but it it is a massive game, and I think what 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 you were saying, about, you know, Wallace about the pace of Gale and Atsu and Richie and the rest, that'll be really important because I noticed, I know, again, I've only seen highlights on Match of the Day of um, Huddersfield at, at Palace, but Huddersfield did do Palace on the counter-attack a couple of times, but were then also undone themselves a couple of times and Palace should have really scored. Wilfred Zahar had a lot of joy against them when they were leaving big gaps at the back, over-committing with that naivety. I think that the team has a little bit under uh, the manager of, of committing too many men forwards. I mean, you were... When you're tuning up away from home, you don't need to commit half the team into the penalty area, but they still seem to be doing that. Huddersfield, um, so yeah, we might we might get that. What do you think about the number ten position was? Because I was, I can't remember for whatever reason too many games last season where Perez and Gale were partnered. It tended to be Diame with um, Gale and then Perez with Mitrovic um, or Murphy. Do you think you'll stick yeah, with uh, Perez again? Well, well, he, he might, um, but you know, who knows? I mean, he might, he might spring a complete surprise and chuck Jocelyn in and play um, Gail off him. Um, yeah. Because I mean, Jocelyn's six foot three. He's, he's no midget. He's a big no. lad. 
So, you know, maybe I, I can't say it myself, mate, but he has had a good pre-season apparently, so he's, you know, he must be reasonably fit and um, no doubt he would love to have, a, have an early go. Um, to be honest, I mean, you know, just thinking about the to Sunday, even though um, it, was a, it was a bit of a difficult situation for him, I can't really remember a great deal that Perez did. Um, he picked up the ball a couple of times, I think, on, on the outskirts of the penalty area, but tended to run into trouble a bit. Um, I just... I just feel that you know, again, if I had, you know, if, if Bravo had the, the budget available, he probably would have gone out and got a, a, a top class number ten, as he, and he probably would have gone out and got a top class striker as well. Um, but uh, that's not where we are at the minute, so I think we're probably going to have to to make do. I mean, one of the things I would like to maybe just throw in the mix is I, I, I wouldn't, I would like to see maybe uh, Matt Ritchie tries a number ten. Um, you know, he reminds me an awful lot of um, Alexis Sanchez, and um, you know, he's, with his attitude, his pace, his aggression, his finishing is pretty good as well. So, you know, that would be another option that we could explore, I think, and that would then free up uh, space for uh, for Murphy to come in on the right hand side. I personally think that that might actually be a better way of playing uh, behind Gale, but you know, Rafa knows best. Definitely, but I think if Martin Richie do, does come in as number ten. You'd have definitely have to question um, CM Dion's role at the club uh, because it's yeah. all it's all well and good competing with Jose Perez for the same spot and potentially Mo Diarme, but I think I think we might see Diarme central midfield more than you know the, more than number ten like we did at the end of last season. Um, but yeah, Dion's well, another one. Instead of Marino, of course, couldn't he? He could, on yeah, Sunday. yeah, that's, a, that's one he could. Um, He's better there. He's better as a box to box player rather than as number ten. He's not a number ten in my view. Yeah, and I believe he played. Uh, I think he played at Brighton last season. Yeah, not Brighton. Um, we did play Brighton, but he played uh, at uh, Huddersfield. So at Huddersfield last season, he went with Murphy and Diarme up front, like two big lads, mm, and brought lads, and, yeah. br- and brought Gale off the bench. Um, uh, so you know, I mean, who who knows? We're, we're obviously just speculating here, but at least at least, and I know it's it's it, amongst all the negativity, and there is plenty of it. At least we we'll have some options compared to the last time we were in the Premier League when the team basically picked itself. Um, well, absolutely, absolutely, and I think that that's been one of the major the major pluses of Rafa's regime so far. He's trying to get competition across the piece, and he's trying to do that now. Um, the, the problem is that um, you know he recognises that the players who got us out of the championship, in some cases, are not good enough to keep us in the Premiership. So you know he's got the difficult balancing act, doesn't he, about getting rid of the players, um, but they're on big wages. They're probably. The, the championship, maybe most clubs can't afford them. Um, then again, like I mean, what often happens, of course, is you get towards the, the de- transfer deadline day, people's um, attention has become very focused, don't they? And they, they yeah. start changing their minds and think, actually, we need a centre half. Let's get handy. Definitely, I think you know it's we're just. I think your point earlier about Rafa having to bring in players for the here and now because he has to to keep it up. Will also, I'm sure he'll point out if it comes to this. We're just repeating the mistakes of the past because we're lumbered with the Riviers and um, Hidaras of this world, short-term fixes in the past, which have become long-term problems. Um, but like you say, end of the window, I can see a lot of loans happening again. I can see maybe yeah. Tim Krull, Lazar, uh, Hanley, Riviere, if anyone will take them, um, all going out on loan. I hope we'll find permanent buyers for them, but then it's just... With the likes of Riviere, if he goes out on loan again, we're going to be in the exact same position next summer, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like we say, needs must for the moment. And we only have a 25-man Premier League squad. We've currently got 30, mm-hmm. 30 senior players. 
Um, so something's got to give, and that's the thing about if you look at Newcastle squad now, it looks at that twenty-five man squad. I was looking at it yesterday. You kind of think, well, even if you take out Colback, you know, Colback's not wasn't in what I was looking at. Haidara wasn't in. Lazar wasn't in. Rivier wasn't in. Tim Krull wasn't in it. <laughs> then you know, it's it's who do you who who from the current crops like leaves and maybe a Gamez or someone like that who doesn't seem to be in and around the first team picture. Um, it, there's possibly even players. Maybe a CM Dion is one that they would love to get rid of, but they're trying. They're not trying, the fact that they need him potentially. You know, we're talking about maybe getting a start on Sunday. They're trying to be a little bit, you know, hold those cards a little bit closer to their chest. But it is a real problem the the amount of footballers that we'll have at the club that just aren't up to the standard required, um, yeah. which is uh, which is frustrating. But yeah, um, I suppose. Do you do you see the how do you see the game going? Then do you want to give us a prediction, Wallace? Um, well, my prediction's are notoriously inaccurate. Huh. Um, I think I think we'll um, we'll get at least a draw. Um, it's going to be hard, but I think it, we'll get a draw. Um, Nils each. I'm gonna go for a win because every single time we've had a setback in the past, we tend to bounce back immediately. Although it's a difficult league to do it in, but I remember when we had the week of horror with last season with the cup exit, the Blackburn defeat, and the Forest defeat with the Shelby red card. We um we beat Birmingham four 0 and then uh, basically when it when it's mattered so far under Rafa. There's always been a performance, and I think if we pl- if we play well, I still think we have a better team than Huddersfield. If we play well, and Dwight Gale is on form, and I think for the lack of ball he had on Sunday, um, he, the runs he was making were excellent. Um, it, he was just he was just up against two of the best centre halves in Europe, probably, um, who were just dealt with it comfortably. But I don't think Huddersfield centre halves will be able to deal with it comfortably. And like you say. Um, well, like I said earlier, sorry, I think the longer the game goes on at nil-nil, the more indisciplined this Huddersfield side will get. It's their first game in the, in, in the history of the Premier League. It's their first game ever in the Premier League. It'll be a sellout crowd for them. Um, so it's probably a little bit more pressure than than the five or six who are still in the team uh, were used to last season. Um, and obviously the big the big game they had last season against us, they managed to, to fall flat on their face. So I'll go for a win just to be, just to be optimistic. As I said... Um, me and the lads are going. We'll have a the match day podcast for everyone listening out pretty much well half an hour after the kickoff. As soon as we get back to the car, uh, we're looking forward to it tremendously. Um, coming up after this, you've got Norman uh, Norman Riley has done a, a short two minute. Uh, what, what's the right word here? Um, uh, chat by himself. Uh, there is a better word than that, but I can't think of it because he has been speaking to um, German and Spanish based journalists about our brand new signing, Hosloo, and so he is going to give you a quick translation of that once me and Wallace have... have... So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been great to have you, and I hope everyone's enjoyed enjoyed the show. Thanks to everybody who, who retweeted and listened to the previous show. Uh, some very good numbers there, and we will be speaking to you again uh, during or before, during, after the Huddersfield game, and then, as usual, have the much longer uh, Huddersfield podcast next Monday night about 10.30. Cheers. been speaking to Shulshaw Fernandez who covers Deportiva La Coruña for La Voz de Galicia, a newspaper which covers the Galicia region of Spain. 
and he's kind enough to give us the lowdown on my new signing, Joselu. Although he's been time I'm stoked, he spent the whole of last season on loan at Deportivo, scoring six times in 24 appearances. Most of his top-level football has been played in Germany, where he played over the course of three years in the Bundesliga for Hoffenheim, Eintracht Frankfurt and Hannover. And his record averages around one every three games, with 29 goals and 90 appearances. Prior to Germany, his record up front partner in Alvaro Morata at Castilla, Real second team who play in the league system, was very impressive with 40 goals and 72 appearances. Those games were played in the Spanish equivalent of our League One. Shurusho told me that uh, despite arriving at Deportivo during the summer in which Lucas Perez was sold to Arsenal, he was never seen as a direct replacement for him, given that the two completely distinct players in terms of the playing styles. Initially, his arrival was met with excitement as Depot needed to strengthen their attack and he was remembered for his excellent record at Castilla. Uh, he had the fans on his feet during the first game against Bilbao, but he later injured himself in the same game and was out for several weeks. Unfortunately, on his return, he never quite reached the heights that his early performances promised and he fell out of favour with the manager. His strengths, um, according to Shurashaw, are in playing with his back to the goal as well as being a target man in the box. He likes to bring wingers and attacking midfielders into play and he's a good finisher. Jurisho reckons that he'd struggle in a team that demanded he, he looked to exploit spaces behind the defence as he's not quick enough to play that role. Additionally, he's uh, also very useful in causing problems when attacking free kicks and corners. And given his abilities, he can definitely be an impactful player, especially if he's played alongside another attacker, able to exploit the gaps and finish due to the space that he'll inevitably create. Finally, Jurisho mentioned that, unfortunately, as the loan didn't quite work out for him the way it had been anticipated, the permanent move was never going to happen. However, given how Rafa sets his teams up, there's definitely the potential for him to fit in, as long as the manager shows belief in him. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.